Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben and this is the Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast. Hey family, I hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling. This is episode three of season seven and in season seven we're focusing on the wide brown land of Australia. We're kicking things off by in, by talking to the top five teams of the ABA and the KCBS. I almost got them mixed up. And today we're actually talking with Lucas Armstrong of Roland Smoke Barbecue. Now, Lucas and Roland Smoke are one of the biggest names in competition barbecue in Australia. He is well known for his consistency. If he comes to a competition, you know he's not leaving without at least three trophies. And on that topic of consistency, Lucas was actually a guest in the very first SHC podcast series about consistency. So that's how consistent he is. We've been talking about consistency with him for about three years now. So in this episode, we're going to talk about his 2019 season where he came third in the ABA points chase. We're going to talk about his uh, foray into the SCA and the successes that he's had there as well. We're going to find out what those successes have generated for him in terms of opportunities for 2020. We're going to find out about his shiny new trailer, his transition from offsets to drums and pellets, and then we're going to close out the episode with a lesson on maximizing consistency across different styles of barbecues and the effects on the overall outcome. So what you can do for me just to help me out is just to tell a friend about the show. Just tell them about the podcast, explain what it's about, grab their phone, subscribe them to it, and let's get the word out there. So without further ado, let's talk to... Mr. Consistency, Lucas Armstrong. This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnott. How long has it been since your last confession? Lucas, mate, welcome back to the confessional. It's good to have you again. Hey, buddy. It's good to hear from you. Yeah, man, you too. How have you been? Can't complain. Busy. Busy trying to get this trailer ready to go do some comps now. Ah, right. Yeah, you got a few more few more finishing touches to do to that? Yeah, we just decked it out a little bit, put some more lighting in it and, you know, what else have we done? Sink, hot water, the usual stuff. Well, let's um let's let's back it up a few points and uh and and tell us about the trailer. Uh so it's um as as we said in the uh the, the little entertaining interview from Kangaroo Valley, it's a <laughs> yeah. uh, it's a glorified, glorified. I can't even speak tonight. Glorified horse float. Um, the guys from Paceland Floats in Tugra build it. Um, so pretty much, yeah, it's one of their. I think they call it an overnight horse float or something. So it's got bunks in the front and cabinets and you know all the essentials that you would need to sleep in it overnight. Uh, just without all the horse bits in the back, I guess. Yeah. Well, there's um there's. Actually, surprisingly, surprisingly little horse bits actually go into a horse float. There's like a a dividing bar that goes in to put one horse on either side, and that's about it. Other than that, it's just like a big empty box. Yeah, pretty much. So that's all it is. The only other real major change we did is we um, it's got a dividing wall in it to separate the front from the back. So instead of it being on an angle to suit a horse, it goes straight across now. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Yeah. So um, you got bunks in the front. Have you got a kitchen built in there? Um, yeah, we've just installed a, a stainless steel sink and cabinet with hot water system in it into the back of it and um, run a bunch more LED lights so we can actually see. <laughs> Always a good help, yep. 
Yeah, it's, 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 it was handy. I say Kangaroo Valley was um, it was a little bit difficult trying to work in the dark. Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah, must be nice yeah. having that uh, having that kitchen inside though. Oh, it's definitely going to be um, handy for us. We just got to figure out where to put all the uh, benches now. That's the next next problem to come to. Yeah, I guess um, I guess a, a horse float's not uh, not overly wide, and if you've got the uh, the smoker area in the back, and then the living quarters in the front. There may not necessarily be all that room for uh, for benches. Yeah, it, it, it's it'll get tight, but we'll make it fit somehow. Sounds good to me. And uh, I guess being inside with your with your kitchen, then the uh, the the flies like at Kangaroo Valley wouldn't be that big of a problem. No, that was it was a godsend, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, that was that was definitely a um. It was definitely nice to be inside with less flies. That's for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Part of me wants to know how many teams out there were having to pick flies out of their source before they were basting their ribs, and then the other part of me doesn't want to know. Yeah, it was. It was. A, it was a pretty. It was a great day, but it was a horrible day just because of the flies. Oh yeah, everything else was just perfect. The Sam and the crew yeah. just nailed that comp. Yeah, they did. Yeah. So tell us about 2019 then. Kangaroo Valley was obviously the end of 2019, but uh, yeah, tell us about the rest of the year. Um, it wasn't too bad. I think we did 14 ABA comps in total between me and Shane. Um, uh, we did an absolute bucket load of SCA comps. I can't even remember the exact number, but it was a lot. <laughs> um, we had a, we had a, a few good wins. Uh, it was a Bundy, Brisbane, and the dam so that definitely helped us get our second place overall for the year um we had a few a few comps where we probably should have done better but you know like everything we we missed the mark on a few things and then we've got the uh the dreaded one melbourne which is a bad juju by the sounds of it where we uh actually finished last oh really yeah was that a first for you yeah, definitely. Ooh, we don't do last very well. And and the worst part was, like, I didn't even know until we were driving back to Shane's place in Albury. So it would have been 11, 12 o'clock at night, whatever it was. We're all dead tired. And I got a text from the wife asking if I was okay. And I'm like, this is pretty random. I don't know what she's talking about. And then, it, uh, yeah, come out there. We finished last. It was entertaining, but it was also, um, you know, one of those things. It happens. Yeah, it's not exactly the news that you want when you're uh, at the tail end of a long drive. No, it is what it is. That was fun. That was uh, the Q Club comp, that one. I can't remember the name, sorry. Uh, was that Masters of Q? Yeah, that one. That's the one where, you know, we had to um, pick all the rubs and sauces off the shelf and buy a box of meat. It was fun. We just stuffed everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you you were having to use sort of products and that that you weren't familiar with then? Oh, we used – the only thing we'd ever used before was Blues Hog Original. The rest of it was all new to us. Oh, wow. Yeah, that, that would have been challenging. Yeah. And we ended up with chicken legs. That was um, the first time we'd cooked chicken legs at a comp. So they um, exploded and looked like a hot mess. <laughs> they exploded? Yeah, I think we, over, we overcooked them by a lot. <laughs> How, like, was it like the, did the marrow sort of come shooting out of the bones or was it like just the skin split and the meat sort of swelled up? No, 
the tendons pulled tight and sort of just split them in half to a degree. Ah, right. Okay. Yep. Yep. I think I've seen yeah. my mum pull some of them out of the oven back in the day. Yeah. Yeah, that would be that, that, that's where we were. Oh no! Ouch! So did you just like rip yeah. all the rip all the meat off and hand in pulled pulled chicken? No, we had some breasts there as well, but they weren't exactly great either. Bummer. Yeah, yeah. We threw some stuff in a box and it finished about where it should have. Yeah. Now I've I've just realised while while we've been talking that I actually misspoke in the introduction. You actually came second on the ABA, not not third. I've confused myself yeah. because it's the third episode in the series. So I do apologize for that. I did misspeak. Second in the ABA That's for right. 2019. That's right. We'll let you off this once. Yeah. Well, at, at least I've, uh, I've, I've had that uh, one chance up my sleeve. So what do you think was the no, best competition for you then for 2019? Uh, best comp uh, would have been, best comp I've done would have been, Bundy, I reckon. Um, it's quite a drive up there for me from Sydney. Uh, rolled up there, did it solo. Didn't exactly turn in the best food ever, but it was definitely enough to get the job done. How far is it from Sydney to Bundy? Um, it's, a, it's a good drive. It's probably have to be 16, 17, 18 hours, something like that maybe. Wow. Huh. And that's I'm just lucky. I've got uh, Dano from Country Boys. His house is like my second home when I'm in Queensland. So I rock in there. We sleep and we drive off in the morning. Oh, fair enough. So you, you split it yeah. in two. You don't sort of do it in one hit. Oh, yeah. No, I couldn't do it in one day. Google says 14 hours, 1,276 kilometres. Yeah. That's there. Yeah. Non-stop. There you go. That's insane. And you like yeah. – you do big trips like that just at the drop of a hat for a barbecue comp, don't you? Yeah. That's why we have big trailers and stuff like that, so we can just hook them up and drive. Yeah, it's the it's uh, doing it at sort of big trailers and at scale sort of makes things like that a bit easier. Not, not it does, to, yeah. Not having to pack and unpack a little box trailer every time. Yeah, I, that and I don't know how. I couldn't do FIFO. That would, that would tend to do my head in. Yeah, you just sort of rock up and cook on borrowed equipment and that it's good it, it'd be a it'd be something to get your mind around yeah yeah I, I, my OCD would kick in and you know I wouldn't have my gear where it needed to be yeah I don't want that basting brush I want my basting brush <laughs> pretty much that's how it works yeah. so mate tell me about Bundaberg what what makes it such a great competition for you well it was just fun it was you know I've never been, well, past Brisbane, I guess you would call it before. So it was all new for me to see every, everything between Brisbane and Bundy. Oh, and then right. I had a couple of hours spare, so I ducked off to the to the Bundy Rum Factory and had a little tour, which was pretty good, if you like rum. I don't mind it. Yeah, but yeah, no, it was just one of those comps where nothing went, to, well, it didn't really go to plan, I would say, but... It all sort of planned out, worked out in the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've heard that it's one of the one of the friendliest comps that they um that uh, the Bronny and Paul really put on a good competition for competitors. Yeah, it definitely was. Yeah, that was a great little spot there. Um, I don't know. I think it's the Bundy Showgrounds or something. I think that was where it was, but it's moving this year. 
to somewhere on the coast, which will be even better. Mm. Oh, yeah. I did see that. Um, I think it's still in – because Bundy is a coastal town. I think it's just moving, like, to a to a beachside location. Something like that. Geographically, I'm not too sure, but something like that. Yeah. So this year, I'll head back up there and try and win again, and Shane will head off to meet Stock Sydney since it's on the same day. Oh, nice. You're going to hit them both. Well, we can't technically hit both, but Shane can do SCA and I can do ABA. Oh, one team can't do two ABAs on the same day. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's in the rules there. Oh, fair enough. Good to know. Good yeah. to know. So what um what what opportunities have, have come about for you in, in 2019? Uh since oh, what do you mean exactly? So your your various successes and wins, like what's what's news? Have you lined up some new partnerships with different brands? Are you uh, are you have have you won invites to go compete overseas in twenty twenty? What sort of uh, uh, what, what's popped up? Nah, it's, it's been very quiet on the the front of sponsors and everything at the moment. Uh, yeah, everything still pretty much runs the same as what it did. We've still got all of our good sponsors that help us out along the way. Um, other than that, yeah, nothing for the US yet. Oh, well, actually, we've got the golden ticket for the SCA, but uh, we'll worry about that one when it's time. Yeah, you've you uh, you and Shane both have done really well uh, in the SCA this year, haven't you? Yeah, um, two thousand two thousand. Shane did pretty well two thousand nineteen. He finished second overall. Yep, a uh, lot of learning curves. And um, I think we've finally figured out everything we needed to figure out and it seems to be doing pretty well. Yeah, and you said that you've done heaps of them too. So you've, uh, you obviously like it. You like the format. Yeah, well, mostly like I, I mostly try and encourage change looks. That's his thing. But, you know, if there's spots there, I'll tag along and have a go. Yeah, yeah. So do you guys yeah. just do the steak or do you get right into it and do all the ancillaries as well? No, nah, we just do steak. Just concentrate on the one thing. Ah. Unless it's, unless like, I think Tamworth, I did the burgers and stuff like that. Little little comp like that where there's no real stress. You know, you can enjoy it. But the big ones, I would tend to just uh, tend to just stick to the steak. Yeah, yeah. In my travels in the US in 2019, I went to a couple of uh, uh, SCA competitions and that's yep. what all the big names were doing. I, I, yeah. I was running around asking them, you know, so, wow, this is, you know, Joey Machado. What are you doing for the ancillaries? He's like, I just do steak. I'm just here just for the steak. steak. Yeah. Just got to concentrate on what counts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Mind you, there is a hell of a lot of creativity coming out through the ancillaries. And if uh, if the trend set by, by Cav down there at Q Club where he's going to award the same prize money for the steak as the ancillaries, we might end up seeing the ancillaries get taken a bit more seriously. Yeah, maybe like it's oh, we we've tried to do ancillaries, and you know we've done some really crazy stuff, really expensive stuff, <laughs> and it just didn't it just didn't work. And it's like, yeah, you know, it's pointless to a degree spending, you know, whatever it was. I did that fragua lobster bloody burger at meat stock, and it just it didn't really work. Okay, and I was like. 
It's just uh, you got to offset the, the, the well. If the cost isn't, if it's not worth doing it, it's not really worth doing it. Yeah, well, that's an interesting point about the way that the um, that some of the the ABA and, and KCBS comps are, are both going as well now with the um, like things like okay, you've got say lamb in the ABA or a, or a pork box in in KCBS, and you end up now you can't just seem to put one protein in or just one cut in. I'm oh, sorry, of course it's one yeah. protein. But cuts, I mean, like you, you don't just put one cut in. If you if you're doing lamb, then then you're going to do some pulled, and you're going to do some ribs, and you're going to do some cutlets. And before you know it, you're handing over a hundred and fifty dollar box. Yeah, well, that that's it. Eh? It's um, it does it does get expensive very quick, especially if you try to get fancy. Yeah, yeah. So the um the lobster fragois that you were talking about, your uh, your lobster burger down for meat stock there. Was that the craziest yeah. and the most expensive thing, or were they uh, two different yeah. things? No, nah, that was that was just that was just stupid me going crazy. Ah, fair enough. Yeah, I can I can see why you'd sort of want to avoid the ancillaries. Then lobster is not cheap. <laughs> oh, the lobster was cheap compared to the foie gras. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I hadn't put that together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. Now I um I did notice last time I saw you down in Kangaroo Valley there you're cooking on one of my favourite grills there you got a PK that you do your steaks on. Uh yeah, that's Shane's little old PK. It's um it's, it's it's been a workhorse since he got it. It's quite it's quite nice to cook on too. It's very easy to uh, control. Yeah, they're they're quite handy little units there. So how how did you guys get hold of one? Because there's not many in uh, in Australia at the moment. Uh, that one came from the US. Um, what is it? I don't even know. It's just a little one with the little legs and it's red and I don't think you could buy them here at the time. So we just got it uh, sent over with one of our shipments from work once. Oh, right. Nice. Yeah. I I think it's just called the original, just the, the PK original. Original. With little legs on it though. I don't know if that's different. But yeah, it's red. It looks pretty old. It did look pretty. Now it looks pretty well used. <laughs> it's a bit grimy. Got some charcoal and some uh, some... Uh, grease fingerprints on it and stuff. Oh yeah, it's it's cooked a few steaks now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I find that they um that they hold the heat really well. The it, it does. It, it's um it it cooks really well. It does compared to everything else we've used, it's probably the best thing I've cooked a steak on. Yeah, yeah. Have you tried doing uh, low and slow on it? No. I um, I don't know if Shane has, but yeah, no, not when I've been with him. Oh, okay. I've got a I've got a PK three sixty and I take it to uh, some barbecue competitions up here in Queensland um, when I'm doing uh, the public cooking demonstrations on the stage and that and I'll actually just set that up. I've done uh, pulled lamb. I've done some uh, pork shoulders in there. I've done some. Uh, we had chopped beef uh, Mexican street tacos and uh, yeah, yep. it's 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 great. There's enough in there that I was able to do samples for about thirty or forty people. So there's a reasonable amount of uh, cooking space in there. Um, you know, definitely for enough for like a main meal for 10, 15 people. And uh, yeah, yeah it, the the cast aluminium and it just, it all fits together perfectly. So there's no gaps, there's no seals, there's no heat escaping. Um, as you said, it's really responsive to temperature changes. And uh, I'm, I'm so confident in it that I'll set the vents and the meat and I just go to sleep in my truck. Yeah. Uh, yeah no, they are, they are a great little thing. Yeah. So, uh, tell us about 2020. Where are you, uh, what do you got lined up for 2020? Um, 2020, we're just going to 
do our thing again, hit it pretty hard, harder than normal, I think. I think we've got um, 14 comps lined up already so far. Wow. Just ABA. Oh, one case one ABS this weekend, um, 13 ABA so far, and then all the SCAs that will pop up in between. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm, and that uh, doesn't, that's only what is available on the ABA website so far. I think that's almost all of them. Uh, to a degree, I think it is. Yeah. Wow. So you're not, you're not mucking around in 2020. No, we're going to, we're going to give it a red hot go. That's for sure. Yeah. When you said at the, at the top of the interview that you'd done 14 and then you told me just now that you're going to, uh, hit it harder this year, I was like, whew, wow. Yeah, it, it should be fun, hopefully. Hopefully. I think it'll start out as fun. <laughs> oh, You'll have to avoid burnout. I don't know. Yeah, that's 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 definitely one thing. It's um when was it? 2018, I think it was. It just I think we did that much that just in the end it just killed us. How many did you do then? I think it was was it nineteen, I think when we were last talking? Uh, could have been something along those lines, yeah. Wow. And so this yeah. uh, this upcoming KCBS yeah, competition, will that be your first ever KCBS? Uh, besides the US, yes. Oh, right. Okay. And that's the one, um, what is that? Is that Northeast Barbecue Festival? Yeah, Northeast. Yeah, that's the one, yep. Ah, oh, right. Cool. So what? We figure what, it's early in the year and... Uh, it doesn't take a brain scientist to figure out that, you know, our first few comps of the year are never great. So we figured, you know, if we hit some early and get them out of the way and get ourselves dialed in pretty quick, we should be good for the rest of the year. Yeah, get your heads back into the game. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So when you go to a KCBS competition, do you modify your flavour profiles and things or your, your different cuts and whatnot or do you sort of stick with what you know and – hand in the same boxes as you would for an ABA? No, nah, everything's the same as ABA except for the pork, obviously, where you got to leave the monies attached. But um, other than that, everything's identical still. No, we don't – well, not we. I – it annoys the hell out of Shane, but I don't change anything. And I don't think we've really changed much except for lamb in the last two years. Wow. So the only has changed. Yeah. And how did the lamb change? Um, we, we use tree bark now. That's no secret really. Um, before, you know, we're using a concoction of all sorts of things that I thought tasted pretty good, but didn't. Um, but yeah, we we changed the tree bark last year and yeah, it definitely paid off for us. Yeah, absolutely. You've, uh, you've been nailing it. Yeah. The lamb was very good for us last year. Um, I think, I can't remember if we had, we got a few trophies. We probably could have, we should have got two first, but we won't go into that, but that's a different story. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll, I'll take that hint and leave that alone. Yep. And so you've, uh, you've basically changed none of the others for about two years. Is that, is that like a real, like a, a, a key, do you think? I think so. Um, you know, we know it works. We know where it works. Um, Melbourne, for some reason, it just none of our stuff works. Nothing works in Melbourne, but we go outside of Melbourne anywhere, and we do good. Interesting. Why do you think that is? 
I I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. Well, Melbourne's kind of uh, quite famous for its multiculturalism. Do you think that the that it might be more of an international palette down there? Some more more some more exotic influences. Uh, it, it's definitely possible. It's it's confused the hell out of me for the last few years. Like we go to meet stock Melbourne every year, and we go there, and we just we know we're not going to do well. It'd be interesting to see if that was a, um, if that was like a mindset thing, like you've, you know, you've, you've, uh, had bad luck in, in Melbourne. And so now you're telling yourself that you're not going to do well and then you don't do well, you know, like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Oh, it, it's definitely possible, but you know, we, we go to a comp and we, you know, we tell ourselves before we go, we're going to win. Well, I, I tell you what, next time you go to Meatstock Melbourne, let Shane hypnotize you before you go. Oh, we've already got a plan for this year's Meat Stock Melbourne, whereas we're doing nothing that we normally do. Oh, okay. So the rule book goes out the yeah. window. For, for Meat Stock Melbourne, it does, yes. It's 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 going to be nothing the same. Wow. Can you give us any, any hints there? No, I've got no idea. I'll probably just let Shane do it all. You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd, Ben Arnott. All righty. Welcome back, Lucas, to the second part of the uh, of the conversation here. Um, you have made a big move uh, this year from um, from stick burners onto other types of smokers. What's, uh, what's the story there? Uh, well, pretty much the, the original old, um, the big girl I had, the old bullock head, that went up for sale to sort of, start funding the new trailer. So uh, Pete from Tamworth bought that off me and he was he was kind enough to, to let me use it for a few extra comps, which was nice. <laughs> um, Written into the same. Sort of, I, I, I had to give it to him after Bundy comps. Uh, after then, we were on borrowed gear for the rest of the year. Really? Borrowed gear? Yeah. So um, we, we used... Butterbeard or Adrian from Butterbeards, we used his Radar Hill once at, uh, I don't even remember what comp it was. Uh, for a majority of the time, I had um, Tony beating the barbecues Radar Hill, which is a godsend. That thing actually did really good for me. And um, the Aubrey comp, we actually used Shane's offset. So all we had to do was pretty much push it from his house because his comp was in Aubrey. Oh, nice. Nice. And what? Yeah. And then, then, of course, Kangaroo Valley, we had. Uh, Drums and a and a pellet grill. Yeah. So what's that? Four different offsets, a pellet grill, and a couple of drums. Yeah. So as um you know you you as we were saying before how you don't change things for you know two years at a time. What sort of yep. challenges did that pose for you in in 2019 where you've got such a broad range of different smokers to cook on? Um, it, it's it made it made a, f- a few cooks interesting, but. To a degree, you know, an offset's an offset. You light a fire in the back of it and, uh, you know, it gets hot. If it's not hot enough, you throw some more wood in and away we go. Um, getting fought, like going from the direct flow to the reverse flow, probably the biggest challenge was finding where all the, the nice spots were for the meats. So, you know, in the old bullock head, I had spots for everything. Mm-hmm. And changing, changing over to the radars, it was everything was different. Okay. So with the, with the standard flow, was it, 
was the spots different from one end to the other or front to back inside the chamber or up and down on different shelves? Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, up and down on different shelves, front to back, you know. There was hot spots in it where, you know, I'd put the the points. Um, the radar hill didn't matter where I put them. I couldn't get colour on them. But in the bullockhead, put them on, the, on where they go and they coloured up nice. It's just, it was a bit of a challenge in the beginning, but, you know, we got the job done. Interesting. Is that is that a like a smoke flow issue if they're not getting the the color on them? I have no idea. <laughs> no idea at all. Uh, I'm just trying to wonder, like, where would the smoke go? Like, why that wouldn't be a problem? Oh, sorry. Oh, I don't. Know. Don't know. I think I, I didn't really. You know, I went from using that big thirty inch double door down to. So the radars that I was borrowing, they were all uh, single door 24. So real estate was a bit less. So I probably had stuff jammed in as well. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. And I wonder if, um, cause I know, um, uh, Molly from ocean, Southern ocean smokers over in WA, he was explaining to me over there about how, um, he's researched how smoke rolls through a smoker and why he prefers standard flow cause it rolls. Um, from the fire pit up to the collector and the exhaust on on his smokers. I wonder, I'm just speculating here, that on a reverse flow, because it's got to travel under the under the plate and then up the other side and back down the other side, if that disrupts that, that rolling of the smoke and that's why the colour wasn't coming. That sounds way too technical for me on a Monday afternoon. Mate, I, I barely got that out. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I was struggling with it myself. So, yeah. But I don't know. I think it's just one of those things where, you know, after years of using one pit, you know, you sort of, you know, everything about it and then just, you know, jumping into a borrowed barbecue, you sort of, you've got to learn everything again. But at the end of the day, it's just another barbecue. Yeah, I guess it is all uh, all heat and meat, isn't it? That's it. So will you agree, be, that's it. So will you be cooking on, uh, on pellets and drums from here on out? Uh, drums, definitely. The pellet. Actually, Daniel owns that, so the only reason I've got it is because he couldn't get it home from the Invitational because his car was full. <laughs> so it's been living at my house for the last few months. Yep. Um, I actually got to give that back to him at the dam, which I probably don't want to do, but he can have it. Um, yeah, and after that, we'll, we'll see what happens. Do you have a, um, a a preferred style then? Like do you prefer the drums over the pellets and the pellets over the offsets? or how, um, What's your hierarchy? I don't know. I haven't done enough comp cooking on both to really decide. Um, the drums are good, but I noticed one thing at Kangaroo Valley is like if, if they were too hot, um, the bottoms were burning a bit on some of the on some of the uh, meats that we had. So we had to be careful there where the pellet grill, you know, a little bit friendlier, I guess, on that side of things. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, like, oh, I'm – I'm not really fussy. I'll cook on anything, really. Two bricks and a and a piece of corrugated iron. If it come down to that, I'd I'd give it a go. <laughs> Sounds horrible, but I'd give it a go. Oh yeah, you got to. It's the yeah. it's the Aussie way. Give it a good red hot go. Yeah, I think um, like with the with the trailer now and everything, um, drums and a and a pellet would probably be, you know where I'd want to stay, I guess. 
would it'd be um, a lot lighter to tow, I suppose. Well, well that's it too. Um, now I've got a big parachute pulling behind the car. It's uh, definitely not fuel fuel efficient anymore. No, and if you had the weight of a of a big solid steel offset in there as well, it'd be even worse. Yeah, well, the trailer itself isn't too bad. It actually, only weighs about sixteen hundred kilos. So, oh wow, it's actually pretty pretty light for what it is. The best thing about horse floats is they're a fiberglass roof and an aluminium floor, so there's not a great deal of weight in them. No, no, I I wouldn't imagine so. Very handy. Yeah. And yeah. Have you uh have you gone over the weigh station to find out what it is fully loaded yet? No, actually, it hasn't actually ever been fully loaded yet. So. I suppose this weekend would be the first time it's going to be loaded. Ah, oh, interesting. And it's kind of a yeah. long drive from Sydney down to Melbourne for that, wouldn't it be? Yeah, it's going to be a horrible one. I've still got to work on Friday, so at best I'll be out of here by hopefully 2 p.m. Oh, no. on the way through, and yeah. I think the plan is get there, inject, uh, sleep for an hour or two, then start cooking. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah. So what um, – when are the hand-ins then? Are the hand-ins Saturday or uh, Sunday? Saturday, yeah, Saturday. Oh, wow. So you've, you're obviously able to get in after uh, after bouncing. Yeah, I've organised with the uh, promoter, Danny, uh, to, to turn up late. Oh, that's good that he's flexible too. And with the pellets and the drums, it wouldn't take, you know, an hour to get hot like it would with an offset either. Oh, nah. Never took us that long. Usually five minutes to get an offset going. Oh, really? Yeah. Just need to light a bigger fire. Where they go? Oh, okay. So you you like to light a big fire and then sort of choke it down to keep it small rather than uh, start with the small one. Yeah, always start with a big fire. That's our motto. That's my motto. Shane hates it. <laughs> he doesn't like the big uh, the big woof as it ignites. Oh, uh, no, not so much that. It's, I don't know. I like to cook hot and fast and sleep a bit longer. Shane would, uh, Shane's been trying to get me to slow down for years. Uh, good luck, Shane. <laughs> yes. So yeah. is that, is that the attraction of the, of the drums and the pellets then? You, you can cook them a bit hotter and a bit faster? Uh, no, not really. The, the drums and the pellet are actually, compared to the offsets, probably a lot more controllable. Um, so we've got on the drums, we run those Flame Boss FT500s, little fan controllers. Oh, nice. So all we do is we just sort of set the temp and away we go. If we need it a bit hotter, we just turn the fan up. If we want it a bit cooler, we just turn it down a bit. Same as the pellets. Are the Flame Bosses available in Australia? Not yet. Ah, so you got a man on the inside. Uh, I think they're working on something at the moment, but I don't know much. Oh, okay. All right. So why did you go for a for a, a flame boss then? Is it just the, the reputation not that it has in the States? Yeah, like they're they're a very good unit. Like we used them at the uh was it Invitational two thousand and eighteen when Jesse was out here from seven cents. He brings some out with him to use. Oh right. Yeah. And did they um did he lose them and you found them? Um I think he lost one or two of them from memory. Ah, <laughs> uh, and then the next thing you know, Shane's gone. Oh, my drum's got beautiful constant temperature. 
Yeah, that's that's pretty much how it went. Yeah, I'm actually yeah. hoping that um, that someone comes out with some, with an adaption for a PK360 because their their intakes are just begging to have a uh, to have a blower controller put on it. I'm sure there's a way to do it. At worst, just get some sticky tape. It'll be right. I was going to say, just get some uh, some gaffer tape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's not much that can't be fixed with gaffer tape. No, that's true. So if I had to make you choose then between a pellet and a drum, yep. which way would you go? Uh, sh- sugar. Um, probably a drum, I think. I don't know. Can I have one of each? Yeah. Well, you, you already do. So, um, <laughs> well, yeah. they've both got their advantages. Um, yeah, I, I like that kangaroo valley. I like, I don't know, it's just one of my OCD things, like the ribs. I did them in the uh, in the pellet and they seem to cook pretty good. Um, you know, I've been using a drum at home for as long as I can remember, but, you know, I, I don't know. I just like, I like the pellet. It's weird to say, but I do. Okay. Is it the is it the sleep? Is it the ease of use? Is it the... Do you like the the blend of technology with the ancient ways of cooking? The, you know, the, you've got your Wi-Fi controller and all that sort of stuff? Oh, we're not that technical. We don't use the Wi-Fi or anything. I just press the buttons. Um, I don't know. It's just one of, I just, just like, I've never really done a, actually, I lied. Me and Daniel, uh, meat stock Auckland, we used the GMGs and we did pretty well there. I think we won that one from memory. I'm pretty sure that you actually uh, yeah, came we, home with the GMG from New Zealand. Oh, Daniel did eventually, yeah. Um, then we went to the US. We used the Traegers. They were they were pretty awesome to use those things. The real estate in those things is is pretty good. Was it just the real estate in the Traeger, or was it was it more responsive in general? Or uh, between using the two, the Traeger definitely used less fuel and has more real estate. We were using the. The Timberlines, I can't remember which one it was, but, yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty good unit. And, you know, it's light and easy to move, which is good and easy to get out of the trailer. Got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation. Alrighty, so we were talking earlier about um, about using all the different types of smokers, and uh, we'd mentioned at the top of the episode that you were going to give us a bit of a a bit of a lesson, some tips, and some uh, some pointers about maximising consistency across different styles of barbecues and the effects on the overall outcome. So that's that's quite a mouthful. Um, I will have to try and uh, work on that wording later on. But uh, mate, how I'll I'll turn it over to you. What do we need to know about um, about cooking across different styles of barbecues? Not a great deal to a degree. Um, as, as I mentioned before, like with going from an offset, you know, you, all you do is you light a fire. It doesn't matter what you're cooking on. And to a degree, you're just going to light a fire and cook meat. Um, the only real thing with a drum is because it is direct heat to a degree, if you don't have your baffles in, um, you do risk some some slight burning, I guess you'd call it. So we found out at Kangaroo Valley. Um, but other than that, as long as you have, you know, not a constant temperature, because we've never really run at constant temperatures, as long as you 
do your normal things. How do I word this properly? <laughs> so it's not just me. <laughs> no, no. So pretty much for our, our comp cooking, um, our, our pre-cook processes are all still the same and it, it doesn't matter what we're cooking on. So, you know, we inject it at a certain time. Everything gets rubbed right before it goes in. We don't rub early. Um, and we cook until it's done. Uh, we know that, you know, it's a brisket that's trimmed down for a comp box. It's going to take at least five hours. doesn't matter what we cook it in. We're going to cook it for at least five hours. Uh, you know, as long as your temperature is within that range from where you need to be. So going from the offset, you know, we always cooked it. We started at about 450 normally and um, bring it down to about 300. Um, the pellets, we never tried to go that high. Um, but, you know, if you allow time to, uh, to make up for the heat difference, so instead of cooking for five hours, you cook for six hours. Um, same for the drums. It's just same principle. You know, as, as long as you get your times right and your temperatures right, you'll be able to cook anything. So when you um, are going to a competition and you, you mentioned, say, you moved from um, uh, the Bullock to the Borrowed Radar. When you turn up to the competition, yep. you're about to jump on the radar for the first time. What do you do? Um, first thing I do is set the probes in there. So, you know, set your temperature probe where you know it's going to be the hottest, you would assume. Um, so on the Bullock head, so the direct flow, that was in the middle on the top shelf. Uh, on the radar, it was on the top shelf on the, I suppose, outlet side, you'd call it. So you set yourself up with a bit of a bit of a test burn first? Yeah, you just, you light your fire as you normally would, and then you just control it from there. Okay, and just sort of play it by feel. Yeah. So, you know, you, you've, once you do it enough, you sort of know if you put in this much charcoal with this much wood on it and you light it, you know it's going to get hot. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, sounds yeah. good. And so what is the the effect on the overall outcome then of sort of jumping back and forth between all these different smokers? Uh, the, the, well, say finished comp product, I, I haven't seen a great deal of difference between any of them. Um, besides maybe with the drums, you know, you have that bit of uh, dirty smoke flavor a little bit from where the you know juices and sauce and everything drops onto the coals. Other than that, I haven't seen difference at all. Even with the pellet Not in flavors. Yeah. As long as you set your processes right in the beginning, it doesn't matter what you're cooking on or what you're using, it should all turn out the same eventually. Yeah, that's really interesting that you haven't noticed a difference between um, cooking on an offset and cooking on a pellet grill because that's one of the biggest things that all the the anti-pellet guys are saying is that it doesn't taste like real barbecue. It's, it's heat and it's smoke. It's done with fire. It's, it's going to taste the same. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And uh, given the yeah. given the the uh, scene-wide trend at the moment of all these teams moving towards pellet grills, there's got to be something in it or they wouldn't be doing it. Yeah, like as I think, um, I don't know, we don't tend to read too much into it and – uh, Shane's been using a pellet cooker for a while, so he, he knows what to do with it. 
Um, but yeah, like as in for like smoke penetration and just smoke flavor, I don't think we had a problem. We use it at Kangaroo Valley and we come fourth, which is our best result there ever, which we were stoked with. Oh, is is Kangaroo Valley usually your your worst comp for the year? Kangaroo Valley is just fun normally. Oh, okay. I wouldn't say it's our worst comp. That's that's usually Melbourne. Yeah. Uh, Kangaroo Valley would be a close second. Oh, okay. No luck in the valley. No, definitely not. <laughs> cool. All right. So um, we've covered uh, all the different types of barbecues that you cook on. Um, we've talked about your trailer. We've talked about the SCA. We've talked about your 2019, your 2020 year. Mate, I'm going to uh, throw the studio over to you now to give out uh, whatever shout-outs you want to give out to who's out there. I'm going to say a big thank you for coming on board. Um, the confessional for this episode it was great to have you back again and tell everybody where they can follow Roland Smoke on the internet. Cool, thanks. Yeah, you can follow us on um, uh, was it Instagram Rolling Smoke Barbecue underscore Lucas or uh, Rolling Shane Barbecue, I think it is, and Facebook under the Rolling Smoke Facebook page for now. And shout outs to our wives. Uh, without them, good choice. We would not do this, or we, we, we wouldn't be able to do this, I should say. Uh, my wife, especially my wife, uh, puts up with me being away most of the year to a degree. So, you know, she's she's very understanding most of the time, and I, uh, I really do appreciate that. If she's standing there with you right now and you're saying that under duress, click your pen three times to let me know. Oh, no, she's not the absolute <laughs> work in the office. Ah, oh, fair enough. All right, man. Look, I'm going to say no, once again, been, thank you for coming on board the show. It's been great to have you here, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what's on the agenda for you for 2020. No worries. And there you have it, family, catching up with Lucas from Roll and Smoke once again. If you do want to check out that first episode that I was referring to earlier in season one, it was episode seven, and season one was all about competition barbecue. It was what you need to know to get into competition barbecue. So if you think about getting into it, definitely go back, scroll back through your uh, podcast apps, find those first 10 episodes. They're really cool. Loads of great stuff in there. So Lucas, the king of consistency, he's told us about his Ripper 2019. He's told us where he's headed in 2020. Um, we talked about his involvement in the SCA. We heard all about his awesome new trailer. And we've talked about the drums and the pellet grills. And we got some tips and techniques there for uh, cooking across different styles of barbecue. And we learned about the effects on the overall outcome. And so that's it for today's show. Now, do me a favor, tell a friend about the show and make sure you invite them to the Smoking Hot Confessions barbecue community over on Facebook. It's a really good time. Lucas is in there. You can shoot him a question as well and uh, we'll get you sorted and get you on the right track. So until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing. Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips and Ben's own confessions.